See, everyone just is so excited for the weekend. Homecoming is a great tradition. It's a time for alumni to come back home, to see the campus with all that has changed while still finding that wonderful familiarity. It's a time to visit with faculty or staff members who is instrumental in helping you succeed in your time as a student here. It's a time to see friends, to reconnect and reminisce, to recall fond memories and retell old stories. But as we think about these things, it also can be a time of regrets. As one thinks about simpler times and changes in life and unforeseen circumstances. You see, people say things like this. When you're young, the world is your oyster. The world is vast and limitless and it's ours for the taking. But sometimes along the way, that can get lost. A path can become unclear and you can get stuck or lose your way. And so I wonder... What would we want to say if we could have conversations with any version of our younger selves? Or what do we wish we could learn from our future selves if given the opportunity? In some ways, it is just that desire to have some of those sorts of conversations that led Sarah Barellis. Did I say that right? Great. I'm bad with names. To write the song, Many the Miles. Let's take a listen things I haven't done yet, too many sunsets I haven't seen. So how far do I have to go to get to you? You see, whether we look back into our past or we try to look ahead into our futures, we may think many the miles. We may even say maybe too many the miles. Some of us right here today may, in thinking back, say, I had plans. I had dreams. I had all the time in the world, too. At least I thought I did. To go along with all the confidence I had. But now I just feel, well, I feel stuck. And so in response, we'd like to go back and visit our younger self, have that conversation in order to give hope, in order to make decisions, to give clarity in a path. Or if not to go back and change the past, instead out of a longing for that confidence that we once possessed, utilize the conversation to reclaim that once again. Others of us may be looking into the vastness of the world, looking into that potential limitless of possibilities, and from that are overwhelmed by a sort of analysis paralysis. Uncertain of which way to go, which also leaves us feeling stuck. In response, we too would welcome the conversation with our older self in hopes for clarity and direction and a path. But since we can't seem to have those conversations, maybe the answers can be found in the possibility that lives in the ultimate hope and promise of opportunities for second chances to go back and have another shot at something you always wanted to do. Sort of possibility that for at least any aspiring baseball player from years ago might live in a certain Iowa field of dreams. 
What do you want to talk to me about? Well, when you got to the majors, you, you played only one inning of one game. What happened that inning? It was the last day of the season. Bottom of the eighth inning, we were way ahead. I'd been up with the club about, uh, oh, about three weeks, but I hadn't seen any action. Suddenly, old John McGraw points a bony finger in my direction, and he says, right field. Yes, sir. I jumped up like I was uh, sitting on a spring, grabbed my glove, and ran out on the field. Did you get to make a play? You never hit the ball out of the infield. Game ended, see if it was over. I knew they sent me back down. I couldn't bear the thought of another year in the minors. So I... I decided to hang them up. Oh, sit down. Thank you. So what was that like? It was like having this close to your dreams. And then watch them brush past you like a stranger in a crowd. At the time, you don't think much of it. You know, we just don't recognize the most significant moments of our lives while they're happening. Back then, I thought, well, there'll be other days. I didn't realize that that was the only day. And now, Ray Kinsella, I want to ask you a question. What's so interesting about a half an inning that would make you come all the way from Iowa to talk to me about it 50 years after it happened? I didn't really know till just now, but... I think it's to ask you if you could do anything you wanted. If you could have a, a wish. And are you the kind of a man who could grant me that wish? I don't know. I'm just asking. Well, you know, I... I never got to bat in the major leagues. I'd have liked to have that chance just once. To stare down a big league pitcher. Stare him down, and just as he goes into his wind-up, wake. Make him think you know something he doesn't. That's what I wish for. Chance to squint at a sky so blue that it hurts your eyes just to look at it. To feel the tingle in your arm as you connect with the ball. To run the bases, stretch a double into a triple, and flop face first into third. Wrap your arms around the bag. That's my wish, Reconcilla. And is there enough magic out there in the moonlight to make this dream come true? What would you say if I said yes? I think I'd actually believe you. The conversation doesn't end there. Ray leans into the possibility that Doc might just be headed back to Iowa with him. So he says to Doc, there is a place where things like that can happen. And if you want to go there, I can take you. But Doc seems to resist thinking about the time and all the life circumstances and where that has led him. Ray continues to push and protest, but your wish, uh, it'll stay one. But 65 years ago, for five minutes, you came this close. It would kill some men to get that close to their dream and never touch it. They'd consider it a tragedy. Doc closes the conversation. Son, if I'd only gotten to be a doctor for five minutes, now that would have been a tragedy. And for Doc, the answer seems to rest in finding a sort of balance between the regrets of giving up 
youthful dreams. An appreciation for the paths which changed our lives with other opportunities and possibilities we never even thought or dreamed of. Lives that wrestle with regrets of the past or uncertainties of the future look to all sorts of sources for inspiration and hope. It isn't limited to songs or movies. Christians can often find themselves using Bible verses as a source of inspirational quotes, which isn't necessarily a problem. But sometimes we can fall into the trap of lifting those verses from the pages of scriptures and applying them indiscriminately to our own desires, like some sort of Christianized versions of those oh-so-famous motivational posters. Probably one of the most quoted favorite Bible verses for Christians today is Jeremiah 29.11, which reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. After all, what's not to love about the promise of prosperity, divine favor, hope, and future. However, this is probably also one of the most misapplied verses. Because we can lose sight of the fact that it was spoken in a particular context, to a particular people, at a particular time in history. You see, the verse was intended for the people of Judah, given to them by God through the prophet Jeremiah, at a time when they had forgotten what it meant to live in true relationship with him. God's people had turned from him and the land was full of vices and idolatry for which the people refused to be rebuked, corrected, or changed in their ways. Jeremiah foretold the punishment that was at hand, the destruction of the kingdom and the captivity of her people. But there in the midst of the prophetic message of ruin, Jeremiah delivers the comfort and promise of God's restoration. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You see, we can't use this verse by replacing God's word with our own agenda and then obligating him to this new promise that we've made. In our thinking to write it out as if saying, Thus says the Lord, when you graduate from college, I'm going to make sure that only the best jobs, happiest marriages, and healthiest children await you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It doesn't work that way. After all, if that were the case, if that were accurate, how we could understand God's word, what does that mean for a young wife and mother of three suddenly diagnosed with incurable cancer? What does that mean for a man who is husband, father, and grandfather recently laid off at a time when jobs seemed to be all dried up. College sweethearts whose love in early years was a joy for all to see, but whose marriage has now seemed to just collapse in heartache. A newborn child whose medical complications don't seem to give even a fair fighter's chance at life. What about for some of you whose energy, drive, and confidence to take on the world somehow got derailed along the way. Or for others of you who right now, when you look back to your past, can only see the carnage that is left from bad decisions, or broken promises, and betrayals of family and friends. Does this verse have nothing for us? 
My friends, it calls us to hear the fullest meaning of the prophecy. To hear its fulfillment in Christ and his work on the cross. And to hear its final, ultimate fulfillment in what is yet to come with life everlasting. See, it calls us to know that the brokenness of life is an ugly part of a sinful world where our captor is sin itself. But by faith, to also know that Christ has overcome sin and that he is our liberator and redeemer. You see, to to know that temporal relief from any strife and difficulty we face is a blessing for which we pray. But also to know that no matter what may come, Eternal healing is ours forever in Jesus Christ. To know that God's prosperity does not involve worldly gain, but instead is a peace with God through Christ who paid the penalty of sin. You see, if we want to talk about a homecoming, let's talk about Jesus' invitation and encouragement to come home to Him each and every day of our lives. That is to find refuge and strength and safety and care and grace that only He can give. Sort of daily homecoming to the only one who has healing for the brokenness and regrets of our past. Wholeness in the midst of our struggles in the present. And hope in the face of any fear or uncertainty about our future. Jesus greets us each day in every moment and says, welcome home. Why don't we stand and sing?